Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael speaks on our giving being a declaration during the final week of our Thanksgiving series. so blessed I mean I always love to honor the worship team they're so amazing last Sunday night if you weren't able to be here last Sunday night it was just otherworldly what happened and with our young men young women it's phenomenal what's happening I was talking with somebody, uh, a pastor the other day about different worship leaders and what we need in our churches, and they were communicating what they needed and what would really they think would really boost that for them, and there were some criteria, and I just thought in my mind, well, none of ours would meet that criteria. <laughs> They're not old enough. They're not experienced enough but I wouldn't trade them for any of those other people, would you? <laughs> no, sir. So, oh, well, we'll take, the, we'll take the, all the people in the cave and turn them into David's mighty men, amen? So I love it. It's so powerful. But it's not the team. It really isn't just the people up here. Do y'all realize that? Like, the miracle... And what we experience is just so corporate. It's so vital. Each person in here is so vital to what we encounter together in worship. I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. And it takes all of us. (sighs) What an amazing season. This will probably be my last time wearing this shirt on a Sunday. For a year, I've worn it every Sunday, and I actually wore a hoodie every Sunday, and it's dirty. It's got tree sap on it, so decided to wear this shirt. Y'all don't care about my wardrobe choices, but it was short, so I put this really warm underlining, and it's really warm. It's really warm, so I might need to get me a sweat towel before this is over. And it'll be okay. Throw me a baby blanket if I need it. Just get it like that. But, man, buy a tree, change a life. Amazing. Amazing. Just, just some of the things that have happened, families that we've been able to bless. And, uh, man, we just decided just, I mean, we just, people, that price is too high. There was a family that was leaving. I didn't know that they thought it was too much and they were leaving the parking lot. And somebody told me they, they wanted a tree, but they were a little too high. And I just ran out in the parking lot and I said, hey, hey. And they like stopped, rolled down their window. I said, what did you want to pay for a tree? 
They said, well, $50. And I was like, well, come in here and pick one out for $50. Come on. We're helping kids. $50 helps kids, right? And so, and also helps that family. We've been able to do that a few times. And we still have some trees that have been donated by you guys. And we haven't even given a tree away yet. And so we're going to be still giving some trees away too. We've just been waiting on the Holy Spirit just to prompt us in the right moment to uh, give it to someone and some people. I'll say if anybody in this body needs a Christmas tree and you struggle to afford one, please come see us at Buy a Tree. Change life. So we'll be there next few days till we sell out. Everyone who's made food, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's amazing. We should open a restaurant because we have some amazing people cooking. And we thought we might sell out. And Lisa Sennard is bringing her beef stew. It's her famous beef stew to me because I love it. And she's bringing it tomorrow night. And so I said, well, I'm holding at least five trees back if we sell out. So I'll still be there Monday <laughs> night. And I'll need that beef stew. So... But as of now, we're, we're right at about halfway done selling trees. If you know, don't know, we bought double what we bought last year. We sold out in a week, and so it's, uh, it's went a little bit slower, but we're not sad about that because we get more time in our community, okay? We get more encounters, and if it, it you know, more encounters takes more time, right? So... We're, we're ready. So we're ready to have more encounters this week. So if you have not been able to be a part, come on out, be a part. If you've not been able to cook and you can, then let's cook, all right? If you can't, Lord bless you. If you can't cook, we need people to hold signs. All right? Brittany... That breakfast casserole. Mm. Has anybody ever had gravy and biscuit, egg and sausage and cheese in a casserole? I mean, I've had a lot of those, but not the gravy too. The gravy in it. Okay. And the muffins, we, we all decided you need to open something that, that sells muffins and Breakfast casserole. So, seriously, the wheels are turning, okay? But anyways, can I, let's just, out of the gate, can I get super intense? Super intense? Like, what happened a little while ago in worship when Hannah was playing, Chloe was singing? Then a few minutes later, when we're singing Reckless Love. And let me, let me pull up my notes. I gotta, I, I have to make notes. <clears throat> There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down 
coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And I had a thought, how many of your family members are singing that song? about you? How many of your family members are singing that song? There's no shadow they won't light up. There's no, I've already forgot my notes. I put them down. My mind gets going, man. No shadow they won't light up. No mountain they won't climb up. No wall they won't kick down. No tear down. Coming after me. Or does a lot of our families be like, there's very little effort they'll do at all to try to pursue and mend something with me. Like, and I really felt the fierceness of God. The reckless love of God. Took me to Matthew 18. The person was indebted with more than they could ever pay. They were forgiven, then went out and held someone else accountable to a lesser debt. And the master said, you wicked servant. Now you're going to suffer the consequences of your debt. Like coming into the holidays, like... It should not be in the lives of believers that petty things separate families. We can come here, we can sing songs, we can do a lot of stuff, but we better live Christ in our families. There's a lot of things we can try to discern the will of the Lord about. Does God want me to go here? Does God want me to go here? Does God want me to connect with these people? There's no question. You don't ever even have to pray about whether God wants you to connect with people that he sent you into through birth. In a family. Those are your people. There's no question you're supposed to be in their life. And they're supposed to be in yours. Listen, I, 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 I know there's probably things, and you could just say right now, you have no idea. And I would say back to you, I bet I do. Because I made a lot of mistakes with the 16-year-old girl when I was 21 years old and knew I was gonna marry her and how do we walk this out, I made a bunch of mistakes in living that out. Yet my in-laws are on the front row right here. We've been through stuff, but yet they're here. We love each other and we 
got through those things. And we forgave when it was hard to forgive. And we repented when it was hard to repent. My own father, there were some massively hurtful things done both ways. Yet we repented when it was really hard to repent. And we forgave when it was really hard to forgive. And I just feel the Lord saying, you, you need to put your big boy pants on. Don't you claim me. You have no idea how reckless I am. Don't bear my name if you're petty. Don't bear my name if you're not willing to sacrifice to bring redemption in a family. Don't bear my name if you're not willing to lay it all on the line and sacrifice your pride and all those things and humble yourself and repent to bring restoration, to let people know they're loved, to let people know that they're forgiven, to let people know that their mistake they did to you is not going to sever them from you nor God. Don't bear my name if you can't forgive. Don't represent me. No shadow you won't light up. Huh? No mountain you won't climb up. Going after them. Huh? I mean, the Lord's speaking to my heart. I'll be, I'll be doing some things today. Me, I'll be doing some things today. The enemy's tried to do some things in my extended family. I'm going to do some things today on my part. As up to me, there'll be restoration and redemption. That's all we can do is what's up to me. On my part, on my end, I got to put myself out there and try to bring redemption. We talk about giving. Give forgiveness. Give forgiveness. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. That was intense. <clears throat> I'm so thankful. I'm just overwhelmed, though. Come on. I'm just overwhelmed. Oh. Oh. Just overwhelmed. I know I'm loved. I know I'm loved. Uh, I know I'm loved. We got to fight. He's so good. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. We just finished a series last week on Thanksgiving. And I went home and John said, you've got to do that one more week. And I said, I felt the same thing. So that's confirmation. So 
so we're going to go one more week. Problem is, I needed to go one more week because I still had a lot of things in my notes. But then this morning, getting ready, I got a lot of things that weren't in my notes. It's difficult. It's a hard life. It's a hard life trying to keep up with the Lord. The Holy Spirit, he's quick. This is what the Holy Spirit brought to my mind this morning as I was so ready and so prepared. In Luke chapter 7, verse 20, John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus if he was the Messiah, if he was the Christ, if he was the one. In verse 20, when they came before the master, they asked him, are you the coming Messiah we've been expecting or are we to continue to look for someone else? Or are we to continue to look for someone else? John the prophet has sent us to you to seek your answer. I never read this before really like this. Without answering, Jesus turned to the crowd and healed many of their incurable diseases. Just, you know, you ever seen those jumbled texts and they say if you're smart, you can read it anyways? You know what I'm saying? You can read it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or it's backwards. Or, and, and your mind literally can formulate the sentences. Sometimes that's the worst thing that could ever happen. You know, religion works that way too. You can get so programmed in religion that you can read the word and think you know exactly what it's saying, but that's not what it's saying at all. But you've made a mold and it just fits in it and then you can read it over and over and over again and get the same thing out of it, but that's not what it says. So I've always read this that Jesus kind of just says, his answer to them was, well, look what I'm doing here and go tell John that. I kind of skipped this whole thing, literally, that he's having a conversation. They say, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ or should we look for another? And Jesus just turns away from him and goes and heals somebody. Crippled, you know, well, I can just see Jesus looking over his shoulder at him. Oh, here, dead person. Oh, here, just... You know, screaming, crying, I'm in pain, I can't see. I can see. I mean, just Jesus is just walking down. It's all over. Just kind of looking back at him the whole time, right? Never read that before. I mean, I thought he just answered, well, you've seen what's happening because it says before that that they had seen what was happening. He's like, just go tell him. I don't have to answer. Just go tell him what you've seen, Right? But he doesn't just say, tell him what you've seen. 
he does a little show and tell before he tells them to go tell what he's seen. That's just so, I mean, just fall in love with God more and more every day when I can just see how he does things. <laughs> Ask you, are you God? Mm. What's... <laughs> this guy is so cool. Huh? Isn't he so cool? Without answering, Jesus turned to the crowd and healed many of their incurable diseases. You see, Jesus turned... Wait, wait, no, not even the incurable ones. Yeah, wait. You can get that bunion. You can take care of that bunion. Give me something incurable. You know what I mean? He's like, give me the big stuff. He's joking. <laughs> His miracle power freed many from their suffering. He restored the gift of sight to the blind and he drove out demonic spirit for those who are tormented. Can you just see somebody over here in chains just Are you the Christ? Only then did Jesus answer the question posed by John's disciples. Now go back and tell John. I mean, nothing. He don't answer. I just can't get over that. I want to do that. I can do that. Is God who he says he is? Just... That bucket comes by. Just. Right? Do I believe God's who he says he is? Just make a declaration with our faith. Tell him, sorry, tell him crippled are now walking. Tell him that, tell him that crippled walks. Those who were lepers are now cured. Those who were deaf are now hearing. Those who were dead are now brought back to life. The poor and broken are given the hope of salvation. And tell John's these, these words. The blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me no matter what happens. Man, we, we constantly try to answer all the questions about God to ourself. We're John's disciples and we're Jesus' disciples and, and within us we're asking all the time, is he God, is he not God? Should we look for another, should we trust him? Is he God, is he not God? Is he... When we can actually take the bull by the horns and do what Jesus did to ourself. You with me? We can talk to ourselves. we can demonstrate it to ourselves. we can settle it to ourselves. I'm tired of the turmoil. I'm tired of the wondering. I'm tired of the questions within myself. Let me do something definitive and make a statement about who he is and prove it to myself. Matthew 16, Jesus is asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they say, some say 
John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Right? Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you did not discover this on your own, but my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. Are you, come on, are you with me here? I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth, earth that which is released in heaven. Okay? So, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ. So here's two contrasting stories. Are you the Christ or should we look for another? You are the Christ. You alone have the words of life. There is no other. And we're in that tension. And there's no greater definitive way that we make that statement, I believe, than what we do with our money. He says, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And preached this sermon one time, who does your heart say that he is? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? And so where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And I would say from the abundance of the heart, the hand giveth, right? And it giveth to whatever its heart is into, and it defines where you are. And so we've got one saying, are you the Christ or should we look for another? And then we've got Peter saying, everyone else is talking about others, but you're the Christ. And so we can ask questions with our life or we can make statements with our life. We can live a life of constantly, Matthew 6, says, don't go around like the heathens who have no father trying to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to do, being anxious about things. That's like people without a father. That's like people without revelation. That's like people that are asking the question, are you the Christ or should we go around and diversify our portfolio and try to make sure that we don't lose? I had a question. Hopefully I can get to my sermon. I, 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 want, you to, I, I want you to think about this question. Lord, ask me this question today. If God is not real, if his word and his promises are not true, would you go bankrupt?
Think about that. If everything we're saying about the kingdom of heaven and his intentions with wealth on earth and that if we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully and if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If all of that was not true, if it's not true, would you be so invested in something that turns out to not be true that you would go bankrupt? Or is your portfolio so diversified and what you believe about God so small that if he's not real, you could survive comfortably? Y'all with me? Think about this. So if, if it's all his and it's true and it's all his and his whole intention for money to us is to impact the world through the riches of heaven using the people who trust in him, but we're only letting him use the portion that we would still be safe even if he turned out to not be real. You with me? So then if he is real, we're only buying in with such a small portion. But we're still wanting all the rest of it to be multiplied and blessed like he is real. Are you with me? Like I'm all in. That's the question he asked me this morning. Would you go bankrupt? I mean, I know Stories, and I know people, literally, the Lord has spoken, empty your 401k. Empty every account. Liquefy all of your assets. And give your house and both of your cars. Give every cent to your name. If you do that, and he's not real, you're in trouble. If his promises aren't true that if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully, and you give everything, then all you've done is just give everything, and you're bankrupt. But if his word is true, which he's proven time and time again, just like this story, you'll end up having more than you had before you gave it all. And not just two cars and a house, now a plane to do ministry. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I told you guys, like, I'm black or white kind of guy. Like, is this for real or not? And if it is, I'm all in. And I'm here to say, it is. It is. Let's jump in my notes for just a minute. We'll do a little portion of them. Since this is the last day of the series. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. 
nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and he will not do it? Or has he spoken and not make good on it? Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. His word is true. He cannot lie. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I personally have found him to be true. 2 Chronicles, <laughs> Chronicles 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly, say strongly, support those whose heart is completely his. Where your heart is, completely his. His eyes are going to and fro looking for somebody that he can strongly support. Might as well be me. One of my dad's favorite lines he always used to say was, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. He's looking for people that he may strongly support whose heart is completely his. I got a wrap. 2 Corinthians 8. I just have to paraphrase some of this, and I just want to grab verse 4. This is the Macedonians. Uh, okay, verse 8, verse 1. Beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. Grace poured out. Are you with me? Who wants the grace poured out on you? For even during a season of severe... severe I need a translator. Chris, can you translate for me? I'm back in Guatemala. <laughs> I'll read this Bible. Somebody get an English one. You read it after me. For even during a season of severe difficulty, tremendous suffering and extreme poverty, <laughs> who wants the grace poured out on you? Their superabundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. In the midst of lack, pain, and suffering, they still did not just say, here's good measure. No. I'm not just going to give good measure. I'm not just going to give what's expected, what I can get by with. 
I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it together until it's running over. Let's see. Extravagant generosity. For I can verify that they spontaneously gave not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. Look at verse 4. This is where I really wanted to grab. They actually begged us for the privilege, and that privilege right there is grace. They begged us for the grace of sharing in this ministry of giving to God's holy people who are living in poverty. They exceeded our expectations, not just good measure, they exceeded our expectations of by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. That is why we appealed to Titus since he was the one who got you started and encouraged to give so that he would help you complete this generous undertaking act of grace on your behalf. So giving is an act of grace through us but it's also an act of grace to us. It's an act of grace through us, but it's an act of grace to us. So if he can get the grace through us, he'll get the grace to us. He'll give us the grace, the opportunity, the ability. You know what grace is? Romans 5.20 says, where sin abounds, much more grace abounds. Pastor Tom made the best illustration I've ever seen. Where sin abounds, he drew this circle, and where sin abounds, and it shows that sin just presses in. You're in the middle. Sin, cares of the world, lack, poverty, it presses in. Sin is just... Everything contrary to the nature of heaven and God's intention for humanity. Sin, it presses in, right? And grace, but where it abounds, much more grace abounds. So grace doesn't push back with an equal force against sin. Grace much more abounds. So there's an opportunity through the grace that God gives us and abounds to us to blow back further than it was before, the pressure of lack, the pressure of sin, the pressure of less than. Giving is, an, is a military force. It is an absolute declaration that just wrecks the principalities of hell. Giving is one of the reasons why no weapon formed against us shall prosper because your giving takes the wheels off the chariot. And this is where Jehan got into the other day. We don't say you're cursed because Jesus came to undo the curse, but that chariot might work because you didn't do the offensive thing that takes the wheels off of it. I think I lost everybody on that one. Let me show, okay. So if you give it will take the wheels off the chariots of the weapon that was formed against you. The devourer that wants to come and wage war against you, living and having prosperity and having abundance and having overflow, he would that you not be that way. 
But God will that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. And there's an opportunity that we can make an offensive launching against the powers of hell through giving. If you're a first-time guest, we don't talk about money every week. Amen, people? But we feel led to do a series this month and into this next month. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Got to go. Focus, people. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but that which is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Matthew 6, talks about where your heart is, there your treasure is. It talks about not serving two gods. You can't serve God and mammon, which mammon is a spirit of self-sufficiency and self-preservation. You can't serve God and a spirit of self-preservation, Okay. So with every temptation to yield to a spirit of mammon, God will give you a way of escape. Like the Macedonians that were feeling pressed in and they could have hunkered down and they could have yielded to a spirit of mammon and said, we have to make it through this hard time. Circle the wagons, bring everything in, hoard everything. But grace came to them. The way of escape was grace. God just lobbed grace into the middle of a situation. You're standing there. You're surrounded. I got nothing. What am I going to do? I got to fight my way out. I don't know, like those video games. Here comes the grace bazooka. Boom. That's just the weapon I needed. Here's my way of escape. He gave you grace to give your way out of the temptation to yield to mammon. Our giving is louder than any song that we could ever sing. Our giving is more powerful than any dance we could ever dance. Our giving is worship. It's a war cry. It's a declaration. Every time it is saying, You are Lord. I believe what you say is true. I trust you. I take you at your word. And every time we withhold is, are you God? Or should I look for another? Should I put some there? In case you are, I might get a little dividend check. And should I diversify and put a bunch of it here? Or should I do it in a way that says my eggs are in a basket? And if that basket falls, then I'm falling with it. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? Last 
Last week, I told a couple stories, and Jahan, in closing, said, I don't want to just be telling stories from 10 years ago. I want to be telling stories from last week. Well, I just want to clarify, I have stories from last week. But I told stories of how it started, because I know some people want to get started. So I was telling some stories about how you get started. If I told you the stories from last week, you might say, oh, I can't do that. But if I tell you the stories from 10 years ago, you're like, well, man, he got started. That's, yeah, I mean, he, I can pray the Lord to give me a seed and get it. And, you know, that. That's why I told those stories. Last two weeks ago, Johanna and I went on a little getaway. Bread. You were here last week? Bread. We went to eat some bread. Somebody gave us a place to stay for free. When I take my family on vacation, when I take my wife on a getaway, this, oh, is John in here? He might be in kids, John. I was going to tell him to cover his ear, financial advisor. <laughs> I don't budget vacations. We going. Huh? We eat ramen when we get home. We going. Don't, 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 I don't look at the bank account. I don't check online. I don't nothing. I just hand them that card. If it keeps working, keep doing it, baby. Huh? That one don't work no more? Hold on a minute. There's you another one. Put that one on there, baby. Come on, we going. Amazing. You know what? I've never came home from all that in debt. God's just met me with the bread. He likes us to eat bread, I believe. We went on a little getaway. They were letting us stay somewhere for free, but in the moment, there really was just no room, right? So you're staying somewhere for free, so you go, but nothing's free, right? Because you got to eat while you stay there. And you could have ate free groceries at home, but we ain't going there and eating ramen noodle on a little getaway. We going, you know? Baby, let's go. We're going. We go out to eat. Nice little place, nice as it gets in Bean Station. <laughs> I looked up fine dining Bean Station, go do it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Cook's Boathouse Restaurant or the Green Tomato. That's pretty good. And believers, man, they got to appeal to heaven flag in a dining room. I was like, oh, these are my people right here. So go and eat. We sit down, there's a little couple sitting at the next table over, a little married, they look newly married, young couple, just precious as can be. Well, just sweet. Girl was eating this little pot roast looking thing, and it looked good. She's on the booth behind me, I stepped over there, I said, what is that? She says, it's the pot roast sandwich. You know, it's the same as the pot roast dinner, but it's cheaper. So I get the pot roast sandwich and I eat it like the pot roast dinner. And you know, they don't know, but you can save some money that way, right? <laughs> Throughout our, that girl ends up popping around on that booth and leaning over. We're just talking. We're having a great time. They tell us about desserts we need to get. And I just, so man, this couple was just awesome, right? But they eat, they're on a budget. They're ordering a pot roast sandwich so they don't have to pay for the dinner. 
You know what I mean? So, I mean, this is a new married couple. Laura spoke to me. I'm like, baby, we're going to buy their dinner, man. We're going to sew into this little couple, right? So, they get done eating before us. So, I got my waiter, and I said, go, hurry, go up there and tell the cashier that somebody paid for their dinner and just bring it to me. He goes up there and does that. I mean, these little two little married people eating on a budget, right? Jahan and I order fried green tomatoes, fried zucchini, three appetizers, right? We ordered the pot roast meal. We ordered the other uh, ribeye meal, dessert. I mean, we, we, man, we're, we're eating bread, y'all. So I'm going to buy this little couple's dinner. I get up to the register to go. And there's the little couple's dinner. A lot cheaper than our dinner, right? And I paid for the little couple's dinner. They said, but somebody paid for your dinner. Huh? So I was going to try to pay for somebody else's little dinner on top of my big dinner. And I get out of there paying for the little dinner and somebody else paying for the big dinner. I was going to pay for two and I didn't even pay for mine. Come on. Purpose in your heart. I mean, God, just crazy. Story after story. I can tell you after story. Somebody in this body in the last week, God dealt with their heart and they said, you know what? I got some tithe. I need to, I need to, I need to pay a little bit of back tithe, I think. Now listen, we, I'm not law about back tithe. Come on. I mean, you know, back tithe. Ain't no back tithe, right? It's mercy. We're here for tomorrow, right? I ain't got no debt from back tithe unless the Lord just says, hey, here's an opportunity. I'm going to let come back around for an opportunity I gave you a couple of months ago. You want to jump in now? Because I'm so good. I just let things keep coming back around. Isn't he so good he just lets it keep coming back around? That's the spirit of it. This person said, you know what? I'm, I felt the opportunity come back around, and I said, Lord, here's an opportunity I missed. And I, need to, I want to get in now. I just want to do this. Within seven days, not even seven days, a Monday to a Friday, no? Never mind. Talk to me. Oh, this is a three-week span. Lord is slow, you know, sometimes. Because <laughs> swear you told me that. It's when Jahan tells me to tell a story and don't tell me all the details. <laughs> I didn't even know who it was. I was telling people with a different name on it the other day. Might as well be everybody. I just say this, it is a significant opportunity to give, to release. And within a few weeks, they received a check. At the point, they went to the bank to cash the check. And the bank said, we don't have sufficient funds in this bank to cash that check. That's all they told me. I don't know what it was. 
I just know it was not enough in the bank to cash the check because of the opportunity that they jumped in on. Come on, just an opportunity. It's not about law, it's about life. It's about a spirit. It's about opportunities to get in. And God is no respecter of persons. I believe what he'll do for one, he'll do for the other. And God is not trying to get money from his church. He is trying to get wealth to the world. Let me just say, might as well be me, right? And now everybody look at your neighbor and say, it is you. Let me close with this. It's time to go. Shoot. I pick Ukraine, okay? A lot of turmoil going on in Ukraine. We could pick any nation that we're not currently residents in. And if I said, you know what? What could I say? I won the lottery, right? What's the biggest the lottery's been? Should I even mention the word lottery in a giving teaching? <laughs> Somehow, I've got absolute infinite wealth, okay? I don't know how I got it. I got an inheritance. Come on. It's all hypothetical, okay? I read a story the other day about won the lottery. He gave millions to the church, but he still ended up just devastated. I mean, just every story you hear is like that. Lost his family. Granddaughter OD'd because he just started just bathing her with wealth and way more than she could handle and ended up just, just horrible life. Divorced. God has to prepare us for those things, right? Let's say somehow I've got just infinite wealth, though, and I see a need in Ukraine, and I want to get what I have here into Ukraine. How do I do that? I got to find somebody or someplace in Ukraine that I can transfer my money to so they can distribute it in Ukraine. Right? If I don't, no matter how much wealth I have for needs and for whatever, no matter how much wealth I have, it can do nothing to the place that I have a heart for unless I find some place or someone in that place that I can transfer it to so that they can distribute it to the place that I want to meet a need. Is everybody with me? I mean, it's kind of simple, right? You can't just say, hey, I got money, come over here. Like, it just don't work that way. If I want to get it to the place that I want to, I'm intending it to go to, I've got to find a carrier system. I've got to find a transfer system. I've got to find a point of reference. I've got to find some way to liquidate, to transfer, to get what I have in my hand to the, to the target that I want to get it to. So God, with streets of gold, and the cattle on a thousand hills, there's things he wants to do in the earth. 
unlimited resources in heaven he wants to release into the earth. As it is in heaven, so it is in earth. You are the Christ. I position my heart to declare who you are, and he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, and you'll loose what's loosed in heaven. If he can find a people who will declare with their heart, with their treasure, then he's found a place where he can get what's in heaven to the earth. And we are his liaisons, his distribution method into the earth. I mean, it's real simple. If a single mom has found it hard on her luck and she needs a way to pay her KUB bill, because of God's grace that he gives the Macedonians in us and his disciples with the bread and fish, because of the grace that he gives us to be a part of his kingdom, because of the keys he puts in our hands to be in the process, he doesn't just go into bank accounts supernaturally and change numbers. He takes it, he gives it, he puts it in somebody. He transfers it to a vessel on earth. He did it in his son, right? Came to earth. He does it through us. And so he, he releases wealth into the earth through people whose heart is postured to him and their heart declares he is God and their treasure declares he is God. And he finds them to be faithful and he can release the riches of heaven through them. They can loose what's loosed in heaven and they can bind what's bound in heaven, right? So you're it, you're it, you're it. So the woman that needs her KUB bill paid, you're it, you're it. People come to me all the time, our church should do this, do it. I mean, I hear stories. I can't wait till people come to me and say, hey, I've got this. Tell me the best way to give it. How do you think we should do this? You got any needs? I got some money. The Lord's transferred it to me. I'm right now not seeing all the places it might need to go. Can you help me find some places to distribute it to? Not just the church do it. Even though, yes, the storehouses bring it in and we will bless and give. <clears throat> You're it. We're it. I just really want you to get the picture. He is God. Are we declaring that or are we saying, are you God? Does our life, is our life a big question mark to the Father? We're, we're in the exploration process right now. I'll try a little church. I'll try a little this. I'll see, Lord. I'll float some money around on the different mutual funds, and I'll float some to the kingdom, and I'll see which one actually comes through. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. You know that. I don't have to make a disclaimer there. But are we declaring that he's God? 
And do we realize just a real simple fact that we are the vehicle in the earth that he wants to get wealth to the world. He wants us to bless people. Now look, he says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the wise. I mean, he's going to transfer all that money. He's going to get that money where it needs to go when he finds the people whose heart's positioned. He's going to get it where it needs to be. But we have to determine that he is it. And we are it. And excitedly say, it might as well be me. If you're looking for a place to transfer wealth to in this earth that will be faithful to distribute it to your purposes and to your heart, then look no further. I'm right here. I want to challenge everybody. I, I messaged the elders this morning to get their agreement. I want to talk today about tithes and first fruits, about offering and alms, and about extravagant offerings. I believe that's what the Lord wants us to tap into. First fruits and tithe, good measure. Offerings and alms, pressed down, shaken together. I see that shaking when it's shaking, like don't glean your fields. It's just some of it's falling and you're just dispersing some of it. But the running over is the extravagant giving. We did not do this series with this in mind. This did not enter my mind till this morning. Believe it if you want to. Don't believe it if you But New Year's Day falls on Sunday this year. We're going to have betters one day. We're going to be in here Sunday morning, 1030, on New Year's Day. And we're going to receive an extravagant offering. An extravagant offering. We're going to give you an opportunity to give an extravagant offering in response to what the Lord has revealed to us over this month. And I believe it's going to. Let's get started. A lot of people tap into good measure. What's expected. A lot of people tap into even some offerings and some alms. Very few people tap into breaking alabaster boxes worth a year's salary and just pouring it on his feet. So today, when I'm talking about getting wealth to the world, to places that God wants to bless and transform people's lives through alms, through giving, I felt impressed. I want every family in this church to give a $100 bill this week as a family. Like, let your... let if If... if you know, your kids, make sure your kids know what we're doing. Let them see the impact it has on somebody's life. I know the married life is already doing something today with $100, and that can be your $100. That's great. I felt like the Lord spoke this to me. And I'm like, Lord, are you sure? And last night I get a Facebook message, messenger, 
and somebody Facebook messaged me. I didn't even know you could do that. I had to go in and put my debit card in there because I've never done this before. But they sent me $100 last night on Facebook Messenger. The Lord's like, do you understand what I'm saying? About the $100. That $100 is already gone. Me and John, we put that out as soon as it came in. And this is another one. I want every family to do this. This is how bad I want this to happen. Listen to me. This is what I text the elders about. If you don't have $100 to sow into somebody this week, just a server, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's one of those you need to climb a mountain for. I don't know. But if you don't have $100, discreetly, I want you to see me. And we're going to give you a hundred. This church is going to give you a hundred dollars. We want you to see. We believe. We believe there's something significant about you releasing this today, this week. And so we want to sow. We want to respond as a church to this teaching yes. on giving. Yes. We want to sow seed from the storehouse into this. Yes. Now humble yourself, it's no big deal. I sat on my couch and said, Lord, I don't have $1,000. Please give me a $1,000 seed. And he responded. I didn't sit around and say, oh, I don't have $1,000. No, I mean, just receive it. Receive it. Multiply seed to the sower. Let me make this invitation out there too. If anybody here says, not only do I have one, but I've got one for somebody else in here, then you see me too. Bring it to me. One of the elders said, I don't think we'll even have to do anything from the church. I think other people in the church will want to help other people in the church give the $100. I don't know. But I don't care if we, had, if we do every single one of them. 50 families in here, I don't care. $5,000, no big deal. I believe this. I believe that it's going to change something when we, when we just practice, just... I want to put something in your hand that you can wage war with against mammon. And you can literally say, this is powerful. And you give it to them and they say, oh, thank you, thank you. Say, oh, that's not for me. Even those of you that I'm not going to give this to, and you say, well, I do have 100. Well, it wasn't yours. The Lord gave it to you. Practice going to people with nothing attached to it and say, Oh, that wasn't for me. Somebody gave me that to give to you, so it's not even mine. Somebody gave it to me, so don't give me any thanks for it. That's when we know. Right hand don't know what the left hand is doing when it comes to giving alms. Don't take the credit for it. Just say, hey, this ain't even mine. Somebody told me to give this to you. Come on. So the church is going to do that, but not only do I want to do my 100, and I did my 100 this morning, but I want to be the first one to sow into somebody in here giving 100. Chris, I want to, get, I, I want to sell this. The Lord spoke to me during worship, like, this ain't yours now. You sow this. You hear me?
Man, I'm not trying to make some, oh, flashing $100 bills around, being all, I'm not trying. If I could talk about $100 bills without $100 bills, I would. If, I could, if it was something else, we'd do it. We are doing it. It's about trees. We're doing trees. It's about this. We're doing that. It's also about money, and I want to do that too. So it's hard to do the money part without money. Stand up with me, will you? I don't care if you're a first-time guest. I don't care if you've never been here before. I challenge everybody to get in on this opportunity. If you're single and you're like, I'm just one person, well, that's your family. You're the family. Come see me if you don't have $100. Don't miss this. Don't let pride rob you of this. Don't let pride rob you of this. It's not begrudgingly, you're not asking for it and we're gonna have to begrudge. We desire to sow it through you if you don't have it, period. It's grace to us. Don't rob us of the grace that's coming to us to give you a hundred. And don't rob the person who the grace is gonna flow through you too. You're gonna rob multiple people of the grace of God that comes through this act if you don't take advantage of it with us. Lord, we love you. Prayer team, will you come? You come do that. Prayer team, come. Jahan's going to come. She wants to tell one more thing, and I don't want to mess it up. Faith, 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 faith. Yo, 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 what's up? There you go. Number one. Number one, number two, number Check three, one, there it is, hallelujah. Or number five. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Amen. We need testimonies of God's goodness that comes from people you know, not somebody you read about in a book 100 years ago. Amen. I would just want to encourage you with the reports that come into us. And so I just want to testify to you that um, there's a family in this place, and they will remain nameless who has been faithful to give in the six or seven years they've been here. As a matter of fact, in our curiosity, we have gone and looked over just the top five, top 10 families. Um, we've stayed in the top 10 because we believe in this. We live, we live this. And so I, we just received testimony from this family specifically who has remained number one in the giving and if you knew them, you would not say, man, those are super wealthy people. They're just faithful, always, they always give tithe and they give above and beyond. And just got a report several weeks ago, maybe months now at this point. They've not even been in a new job for six months, but they were promoted out of nowhere, promoted and given, I think, a seven or eight dollar an hour raise making more money than they've ever made, making more than they've ever made. He says, test me in this and I'll prove it to you. And I'm not, I'm totally not um, second guessing what you said. <laughs> I'm not, but you said, we'll give it to you, right? That the, the storehouse will give it to you. But I want to just challenge you. It, it could be a sacrifice for you. 
And don't just, oh, well, I don't have the extra. Just write it off. Well, I don't have it. I'm, I'm going to ask. And that's fine. You can do that and we'll give it because we believe in it. But I just feel real challenged that a spirit of poverty is going to tell you you don't have it. And you actually do. And you need to give it sacrificially. And you need to whip poverty up, smack it around a little bit. Does that make sense? So just felt provoked to say that. Is that okay? It's great. Okay. Amen. Mercy, profit. <laughs> mercy, profit. That you see the difference in those. I'm getting better Father, at mercy. profit. Anyways, we need to, poverty needs to not be the one that decides on. how, what we do with our money. Amen. Come on. Come on. We spend money on, you know, we'll buy coffee and we'll get an extra whatever. We'll don't buy coffee and get, you know, give a hundred dollars. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. Prayer team is up here. If you need prayer of any fashion, shape, form, these people love to pray. If you don't need prayer, that doesn't mean you're not spiritual, but you are released and you are dismissed. And we will be back here tonight at 530 and at six for encounter. And there's three left. And if you haven't three come to cash. one, man, I just, if I could beg you to come, I would beg you. What God's been doing is really powerful, but we love you. We bless you. May the face of the Lord shine on you. May he give you his peace. May he cause your rising and your going to be blessed. May he subdue your enemies under your feet. May he cause his face to shine on you. May he bring reconciliation and bless everything your hand touches. In Jesus' name, so be it. Be blessed. Go love on our city. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.